All right, friends, welcome to another episode of Mama to Mamas. I know I always say this, but I am honored and so excited to have one of my soul friends here with me, Natalie Thomas. Welcome to the show, friend. Thank you. Super stoked and really honored to be here. Okay, so Nat and I know each other because we were both thetas at Santa Barbara. And while we were great apart, we're always friends, but we really reconnected when somehow the universe plopped us down next to each other when we were in our, I think, early 30s in the tiniest little dreamy beach town in San Diego called Cardiff by the Sea. So we'd both taken our solo soul-searching adventures and somehow we ended up four houses down from each other, basically. <laughs> so we spent many a long beach walk together and many nights drinking sabi, having long life chats about all things life and relationships and all of our hopes and dreams for the future and honestly for like becoming moms someday. So here we are. <laughs> And Nat is a mom to an adorable little boy, Miles, who I just learned is 22 months today. And her and her husband and fam live in San Diego. So that is Nat and I. Okay, we're diving right in. And last night when I was reflecting on what we're going to talk about, I feel like when we were really close, you obviously weren't a mom yet. You were an aunt. And I've never talked to anyone about this on the show. So... Tell me when it came to you started as an aunt and then you became a mom, how do you feel like being an aunt prepared you or didn't prepare you for mom life? Oh, okay. Well, it doesn't prepare you for mom life. <laughs> because nothing does until you go, yeah, until you're there. Nothing, <laughs> does. nothing does. But I do think that aunt is the closest that you get to a little sibling that's of your blood that you just love so so much and you're so Ireland is my niece's name and today she's five and she's in kindergarten which is crazy but she was the first little kid that I could not take my eyes off and anytime she was in the room all I wanted to do was watch her and I don't feel like you get that with other people's kids but you absolutely have it with your own so I think mm -hmm. that feeling kind mm -hmm. of a little bit, I guess, of a pre preparation of just the adoration that you have for your own child. Mm -hmm. But as far as motherhood itself, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> aunt is the best. <laughs> yeah. That's what everyone says. And obviously I became an aunt at the same time I became a mom. Right. <laughs> there is this sweet adoration. Like it's not your own, but you're related to them and it's like your blood too. So there is this very special bond, but I don't, I don't know why I felt inclined to ask you that just because I saw you be an aunt first. And I remember you just like being obsessed with the aunt role. Yeah. So I will say too, I was obsessed with the aunt role and I still am. I love it so much. And I love that I get to be sort of like I guess an aunt is such a rare role in a kid's, a kid's life. And then even I look yeah. forward to us being through through the teen years and I'm yeah. Ireland was my first to make me an aunt so I feel yeah. much closer to her she's a little girl I do now have two other nephews who are still kind of coming into their own as kids they're two and yeah eight weeks or whatever I have to be honest I feel a little bit of guilt because having miles I don't have the same connection with her that mm -hmm. I had before miles so there's a little bit of that but I do know that the bond will always be there and yeah. that we can find our own way and as my kids grow up a little bit and become easier, like I can reconnect with her and do fun aunt things. And so totally. it is a, such a special bond. And I look forward to like more of how that will develop and enhance my life. Yeah, oh, I love it. Okay, 
because you and I like haven't had proper mom ketchups in a while and I've now have a baby and given birth after you, I'm so curious what your birth experience was like now. Okay. So I always wanted to do a natural birth if I was going to be given the opportunity to meaning healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby and all that stuff. And okay, wait, why do you think you wanted to do natural? Because I felt the same way, but what was your reasoning? So the best way I can explain it, and I honestly thought about this, did you watch the Goop documentary with Gwyneth Paltrow? Uh, I own, there, there's a few of them, right? Like episodes. And in the opening series that goes across the thing, Gwyneth Paltrow has this quote where she goes, we have one shot at life and I will just want to milk the shit out of it. And that's how I feel. It's like, I want to experience um, every single thing that there is to feel. Good reason that. I'm a female and childbirth is one of those things. And that's just always how I felt. And of course it was a challenge. Can I do it? Am I tough mm-hmm. enough to do it? Which is a terrible thought to put in your head, but I will be very honest that that was part of it for me. Yeah. And so I went for it. We did a natural birth class. We did all the things I had a doula. I had an amazing midwife and I did all the prep natural preparation to get my body ready for natural childbirth. So I ate all the dates, which preps your cervix. I drank red raspberry. Leaf oh, the dates. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Which preps your uterus. I woke up in the middle of the night. It was like 1 a.m. with mm-hmm. what felt like a like punch in my uterus. And I was like, okay. But all the birth prep tells you, okay, you're going to wake up with contractions, but don't wake up your husband because it's probably Braxton Hicks or whatever. And I was already 40 weeks and 40 days at this point. Nothing really had happened. I had like some stuff happening, but I didn't know. So I wake up at 1 a.m. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is something. I don't wake up Craig and I get out my little app because I know intuitively I'm like, I think this is it. Like, I think this is contractions. So I start like trying to time my contractions and do all the things. An hour later, I wake up Craig and I'm like, this is too much. I don't even know how to work the app. Like I didn't practice ahead of time. I don't know how far apart they are, but like, this is intense. Okay. So I get in the shower. I do all the things. I fully poop. I barf. I'm like, like, this is real. Like my body's like going. So the doula's at our yeah. house at 6 a.m. I'm continuing to have like really, really strong contractions. We do different positions at my house. And then by like 7.30, she's like, we have to go. So we go. Okay. I get I get all checked in, all the things. I'm at six centimeters. When you check in? Yes. Oh my when you okay. check in and they check me, you know, you have to get like yeah, yep. all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, so then my midwife's like, we're, we're feeling good. I don't want the epidural. I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> I get to 10 and they're like, it's going to happen. He's going to come. Craig's like, I can see his head. He's like literally there. And this was probably, so this was 1 a.m. This was like at like 10.30 a.m. My body went very quick. Okay. So I'm at 10 centimeters and like the whole pushing thing happens where your body can't not push. You just push. And of course I'm feeling every single thing because I don't have an epidural. I pushed for two hours without an epidural (gasps) with sunny side up and stuck in my pelvis. So finally, after like two hours, I was like, I cannot do this anymore. Like I started having back labor. Like everything was just, Craig said there was a point in my face. Like I was such a warrior. And then it went to like pain and like, I'm in, I'm suffering. So we got epidural. We rested, rested like <laughs> for like two more There's hours. No, 
like, I don't even know how that's a thing, but I couldn't sleep obviously. And I'm like resting by like, just not pushing and like letting my body relax. Okay. So then I pushed for two more hours with the epidural and he wouldn't come out. We tried, we tried to flip him. We tried to do all the different positions and I had a C-section. Oh my gosh, Matt. Oh my gosh. What a journey. So it was such a journey. Um, there was a lot for me to process, but Mm-hmm. truly I gave it my all and nowhere through it mm-hmm. was there an emergency. Like there wasn't trauma mm-hmm. ever around like, Oh my gosh, I'm not doing okay. Or miles isn't doing okay. Like the whole thing mm-hmm. was very civilized. I obviously did not want to have a C-section, but like by that point, mm-hmm. you're just like, I want to hold my baby. Like I'm yeah. so, tired. I'm so tired. Yeah. So I feel also that I experienced like the full gamut of childbirth, except for him, like truly coming out of my canal. Um, And C-section is gnarly. So that's another thing that I really was not prepared for at all. And it was actually, that was the first time I was ever a patient in a hospital, which is crazy. It is. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of women. Is it me? You're going to the OR. It's like a major yeah, surgery. So yeah. like, mm-hmm. You think you're just going to the hospital to have a baby, but then you're going to the hospital having a baby and having major surgery, which was like, mm-hmm. whoa. So that was a lot for me. And the recovery is a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think it definitely played a role in my postpartum journey. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that was crazy. So I feel like I did it. Like I got to 10 centimeters and I pushed yeah. my heart out, but I didn't deliver them that way. <laughs> okay. With an epidural, I felt like pushing was like going poo. For some reason, that's what they told me to do. That's how I did it. And, you know, he came out when you, so you labored with an epidural and without an epidural. Yeah. What was the difference? They're very different. So the whole going poo thing, I think confuses women, but yeah. Here's the other thing. Now I truly like understand how important the baby's position is sure. too, in getting them yeah. out. So at 10 centimeters, when my body originally like first started to push, I didn't have control. My body just pushed. Uh-huh. And that's uh-huh. where I feel like the poo analogy comes into mm. play because like, if you have a huge poop, <laughs> you don't have to push it out. Like your body knows what to do. You're right. You're pushing, your body's using those muscles, but your body's doing it on its own. I almost yeah. also think a better analogy is like throwing up. Like mm. you can try to hold it in, but your body's going to throw up and it knows yeah. how to get it out. I see what you mean. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's just a reflex. And that's yeah. kind of how it was for me at 10 centimeters without an epidural. Like I was still kind of trying and like, I know my pelvic floor muscles. So I was like, sort of trying to get into those, but my body was doing it all. When it had an epidural, I knew when the contractions were coming because I could feel my uterus. I was not in pain, which was like the most glorious thing of my life, but I could feel it. And that's when I was really trying to use my pelvic floor muscles, like yoga rather than pooping. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But it didn't matter for me because he was not coming out. So yeah, you're right about the positioning. Like, I feel like they have to be like perfectly placed in the pelvis, right? So that yes. it fits oh, through my. and then they kind of turn because it's, oh. they literally, I remember watching videos in preparation and thinking like, it like clicked in my head. Oh, your, your baby has to go through your bones. Yes. It's such a weird thought. <laughs> Miles little, like, like right up here and on mm-hmm. his nose was getting stuck on my pubic bone and he yes. literally came out with 
little like wounds. Oh gosh. Kind yeah. Of, uh-huh, like, you uh-huh. know, like heartbroken. Yeah. Like, this kind of the thing. So, th- so I will tell you also, cause I did want to mention this. I had the as everybody believes they do the best labor and delivery nurses. And my, uh-huh. favorite, she was the sweetest, her little one, her first was eight months old. So she was still in her postpartum journey. Yeah. And she had a very similar birth to mine in that she pushed forever. And this little girl wasn't coming out and they were like massaging her, basically like her perineum and her vagina and everything with yeah. mineral oil and like really letting her try to push this baby out. And the doctor gave her like, okay, you've got a half an hour. And she did. So uh-huh. daughter came out sunny side up. She had a third degree tear, which ruptured her sphincter. She had to uh-huh. poop in a bag for the first two months that she had a newborn baby. Can you imagine? Yeah. And so like, I literally was like, I feel so grateful that I heard that story because I choose C-section. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that I had that mm-hmm. scenario because you mm-hmm. never know. It's just like, yeah. oh God. I so, remember <laughs> when it got close to the end and I was like, okay, I probably should prepare. I felt like the narrative I kept and all of the content I was consuming and I would do like natural content, like how to, you know, do it the natural way, how to, if you want to have an epidural, like this, what you should expect, just all the prep. And I felt like the narrative I kept hearing was you can have a plan, but it might not go according to plan. So you need to release expectations. And that's kind of what I feel like you were saying. And I feel like the way you talked about it is you don't, sure, it didn't go according to plan, but like you're proud of your experience. Yeah. And I, I will say it was like a mixed emotional bag there for a while. And I think obviously postpartum really is all the things. Mm -hmm. Um, but yes, I have to say, I am proud of myself and like at the end of the line. And I know some people feel like this statement takes away from people's birth stories, Mm -hmm. but I have a healthy baby. It was a very like Mm-hmm. you know, good delivery as far as like, we weren't in the NICU, we, mm-hmm. I healed really well. Like there are mm-hmm. so many things that can go wrong that didn't go mm-hmm. wrong also. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. and I guess that's a really good analogy for motherhood and having these little babies. Yeah. Every day is survival and every day that goes right. It's like, okay. <laughs> totally. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's, I feel like no matter what way you slice it, like birth is traumatic <laughs> in a way, like even if it goes according to plan, like it's so raw and it is you know know what else I think I think about because I am very naturally minded and I Mm -hmm. always seek to the wisdom of like the thousands of years of how this whole thing has been going and Mm -hmm. being in a hospital with doctors everywhere and like you're hooked up to stuff and you don't know Mm -hmm. what's going on really sometimes like it can be confusing like I don't know like to me, I get the whole like hunkering down and just mm-hmm. really like bearing down. Like I wanted to like, just be alone and in my thing. Like it was amazing mm-hmm. to have my girl and my midwife and everything. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know, like the activity of it all didn't feel that natural. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What, you know, so I do feel like there's the, one of the reasons it's probably so traumatic for us is because we are very much out of that natural element and we are anyways in our lives. Like the last 200 years, humanity yeah. has gone yeah. so like so quick in progress, but you know, there is still an element of like that, like the roots of just, we are mammals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally not. Totally. Okay. How was, Obviously, the breastfeeding journey is it's such a roller coaster for me. It was how, but yeah. when you have a C-section yeah. and you have to nurse and you're, you're you have the scar, 
and you're figuring it out. And so you're healing, you've got your, your nursing pillow, you've got you're figuring out your latching. Like, what is that like? <laughs> okay. It's hard, but also like you don't like for me, I didn't know any different. I didn't know what it was like to try to nurse without a C-section scar mm-hmm. healing or incision, you know? Mm-hmm. So one of the really hard things while you're healing from a C-section is getting in and out of bed because you mm-hmm. use your ab muscles to kind of like move Roll. your legs and stuff. It's uh-huh, a weird uh-huh. There's like certain things that really are not feeling good, like a sneeze. Yeah. But that breast friend pillow yep. saved our lives. Miles was really, he was fine with it. I was fine with it. We only ever did, I forget the names of the positions, uh-huh. but like basically like, what is it where he's like across me with cross that cradle or yeah. something? Yeah. I don't know the names uh-huh. of it. That's the only one we ever did for like the first five months. Yeah. I never mixed it up. I never changed the thing. Yes. It worked for us. And that's what yeah. we did. I, I would get so down on myself. I'm like, why can't I figure out more positions? Like, <laughs> Yeah. I, well, I did later. Later, I totally did. But those yeah. for, for sure the first couple of months, especially while I was healing, I had like all the cushions up against oh. the, you know what I mean? Up against the back of my bed, like very specific way that I would do it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, it was like a running joke. Like anytime my mom would come over, like I was just like constantly with my like pillow setup, I was walking around topless. Totally. It's like those first few weeks and months, your main focus is just feeding oh, your baby. <laughs> it's so much. It is. That that is for sure. And those I think are like some of the things that I've forgotten. Mm-hmm. You know, mentioning like you have to really like think hard to think back to how yes. intense it was. <laughs> yes. Yes. The, the, yeah, you you quickly forget because you just you're on to the next phase. Totally. And then I'll, yeah, all of a sudden you're like, hey, I'm ready for more. And you're like, but wait, remember that one time where I was like, I can't do this ever again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I will say for our breastfeeding journey, like with the C-section scar, that was for sure a hurdle. I probably like, I followed the rules as far as take six weeks seriously. Miles and I had our first six weeks of his life in my bed. We didn't, I, some days I didn't even go downstairs. And actually that was uh-huh. kind of beautiful too, because had I not had a C-section and had a quicker recovery, I probably yeah. would have been downstairs cooking or sweeping or doing whatever. And I totally. just didn't. And that yeah. was really actually a blessing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we started talking about this before we started recording, but a long breastfeeding journey because he's yeah. 22 months, you're still breastfeeding. So you yeah. need to give Maddox is two weeks away from becoming one. <laughs> I'm like, well, I guess I got my goal is one year. Yeah, <laughs> First it was good. six months hey. and then it was nine and then it was 10. I was like, well, God, I made it this far. So yeah. is that what happened to you? Like, do you feel like, well, I made it this far. Okay. Well, let's just keep going. Like, you know, kind of. Yes. And I, especially at the beginning, because you just don't know how it's going to go or how long you're going to be able to do it or what's going to happen with it. Or if you're, you know, if you're going to have to supplement because your baby's not gaining mm-hmm. weight or whatever it is, like mm-hmm. the, the more of those milestones with the breastfeeding that we would hit, then I would get encouraged and say like, okay, this isn't so bad. And then, you know, you hit your, your valleys, which can be really low and you're just so ready to throw in the towel, but then you get through it and then yes. you find your stride again and it's yes. okay. And so we had a lot of that for sure. And I did like in the first year or first few months, the first first few months are by far the hardest. So demanding on your body. Best advice I could give a new mom is literally use the nipple butter after every single feed. (laughs) (laughs) 
I swear that helped us a lot. And Miles had a really good latch, which I think also I can't underestimate because I know for so many moms that can be excruciating. And we mm-hmm. definitely had pain, but we didn't have what a lot of women explain or sort of express with, with their journey and the pain. And then the other thing too was like one of the things that really that was hard for me was like the tracking of the time of the boobs. You know, the app is left boob, yeah. clock, yes. right boob, clock. I just yeah. like that was a lot for me. And again, it made it more stressful. And I think it was at an 11 week appointment. I went to my hospital has a lactation department attached to it. And my insurance was green lactation consultant appointment. So we went at 11 weeks and he kind of had been like popping off and this was kind of a recent thing. And so I really wanted to understand what was happening. And the lactation consultant watched me feed. We weighed him, watched me feed. We weighed him each boob. And she goes, oh, he's such an efficient eater. He's draining your boob in eight minutes. You do not need to keep him on for 20 minutes. Because my older sister who journeyed all this before me had all the advice. She was like 20 minutes each side, mandatory. And so I was like forcing him and fighting him. And the lactation consultant, yeah. no. So that was like such a freeing thing. So I like, deleted the app and I'm like, we're in a good place. And that was really a confidence booster. And again, his weight weight trajectory was great. So that allowed me to kind of like drop my shoulders and enjoy it more. Uh And then the sleeping thing was always such a hard one for us. So we can get to that. But I also, at one point I let go of not being allowed to feed him to sleep. And then I would nurse him to sleep. Uh And it was the best because he actually would fall asleep and stay asleep. And it was yes. like, this works. But then that was like a whole new thing. And then mm-hmm. we did solids or whatever. And he's always been a really good eater. I have to say, Miles is a very good eater. He is not picky. He loves a variety of foods. He's Great. yeah, easy in the high chair. Like, I mean, he's messy as can be. But so all along the way, the feeding part has been an okay piece for us. Uh, <laughs> I'm not yeah, gonna yeah, say yeah. I'm not gonna say easy. And yeah. I'm not going to say like great or whatever, but it has sure. not been the most challenging. Yeah. Okay. So I remember thinking like, why isn't Maddox eating longer? Like, what do you, what do you mean? Like 10, 10 minutes. And I would force it. I'd be like, and then we'd Please. fight, you know, and I'm like, Please. why am I fighting my baby? <laughs> yeah. And you don't know. That's the hardest thing about the early days. Like you have it's no true. idea. I'm like, you could have gotten one ounce. You could have gotten four ounces. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the hard, like one of the harder parts of breastfeeding for me is yeah, just that not knowing and really, I mean, I guess that's a lesson in motherhood, right? It's just like having to trust in the process and trust in your baby and let them lead the way. And just that for me was like the hardest part of breastfeeding. Uh, Maybe it's my own like controlling tendencies that just came out with it. But Well, we come out in all ways. Mine, for whatever reason, really came out with sleep, not as much with the breastfeeding. I will say, here's another thing. I was able to stay home with Miles for that whole first year. I did not go back to work until Miles turned one. He was actually 13 months. And being his sole caretaker and just being with him all the time, breastfeeding. Yeah. I, so I didn't put pressure on myself with the pumping. And I think that helped also because I actually kind of resented pumping for some reason. Mm-hmm. We just did all boob and it actually worked well for us. Yeah. So you didn't have to really pump that first year of life. I did you- pump to get a little bit of a stash. And then we learned that I had high light pace. Oh my God. I think I have that too. Yeah. And my sister has it. Yeah. Because when so you freeze mine. the milk, my it just turns it. 
Yes. I wonder if it's genetic. It just turns bad. It tastes, it smells and tastes bad. 100%. Yes. It, it may be because my sister has it, but this is what's interesting. Ireland drank her frozen stash, but Declan rejected it. So some uh, kids don't mind the light paste taste and some do. Got it. That's interesting. Um, so we, and we were like the early days, like I would try to like pump a bottle and I would sleep. Mm -hmm. I would give him the like 1130 feet or whatever it was, mm -hmm. you know, we were doing that, but then we kind of gave up on bottles too. Cause I kind of stopped pumping. He never took yeah. formula. I tried. We yeah. just had boobs. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Now, I mean, so honorable. I think every, any way you feed your baby is an amazing way, but I think I really admire people who can breastfeed for almost two years. I think it's incredible. Thank you. Well, and now also like, and the whole, the whole other piece to the breastfeeding journey is the weaning. <laughs> yes. I've kind of started because I'm planning to wean, I guess in yeah. two weeks. I don't know. Well, I, cause I'm working and so I have to pump. And so basically I've cut my pumps from like five a day, four a day. We're now at three times yeah. a day. Yeah. So I'm sure I'll go two, And then, yeah. you know, I guess that's just how I'll do it. But yeah, cause there'll be certain, a whole other host of emotions that come up with this. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the one piece of advice I've definitely had from moms who have gone the long haul is do it gradually because yeah. when you cut it off mm -hmm. right away, your hormones just go completely haywire. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's one piece. And then you're probably in a good spot because you're doing some bottles. So oh, you yeah. can just put some other milk in there and you'll be fine. Exactly. Exactly. This is also a really random question about breastfeeding. I was to just generally say, does my baby love to nurse? I think I would say no for Maddox. Like, I don't really think he's that into it. And I feel like some babies are just more natural. Like, that's just. So it's a hard one for me to answer because I only truly know Miles. You only know Miles. Yeah. But I would say he's a yes. Yeah. And that is probably one of the reasons we've been able to go as long as we have. Yeah. And I think part of that probably is also because it is so comfortable to him because we basically just did breastfeeding for so long. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that makes so much sense. It's kind of only know, knows. if you're yeah. a bottle kid, it's like, whatever, I'll have a sippy cup. Yeah. I think, you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know though. Some kids get really attached to a bottle. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Those are hard questions because how do you really know? It's like their little disposition, their, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I have nothing to compare it to. Don't, I only have one, but I wouldn't say mm -hmm. that he was natural nurser. I don't even know that that's a right term. No, I do think it is. And I think it probably yeah. did affect you guys early on, you know? Mm -hmm. It totally did. And like that again, would... the opposite, like he didn't really love bottles. He would like kind of push yeah. them away. It was uh-huh. So. My hangups, and I've talked about it on here before, was always around the food and thing because he was basically five something. Yeah. And so it was always my anxiety as a new mom in my postpartum was always like, is he getting enough? So then yeah. we had this struggle because I was like force trying to force him to eat more because yeah. like, God forbid, he like didn't gain his ounces on the appropriate trajectory, you know, like it kind of, it didn't ruin no. my experience, but like it definitely didn't make it any better. <laughs> totally. And I have to say, like, when I say like the feeding part has not been our most challenging. Miles also had really consistent and right on track. Like he was literally on the, the track trajectory of the chart was yeah. Miles trajectory for weight gain. Yeah. And that took, that did, that was a relief. Like, okay, that one yeah. we don't have to worry about. And how is Maddox doing with solids now? He is a pretty good eater. He is. Yeah. yeah. I would say some days he'll like go for the veggies, but 
I sneak them in other ways. Of course. And, well, you know. just, the one thing I've learned with Saul is, is you just keep offering because yes, one day they hate something, true. the next day they love it, and the next day they hate it again. Like, you just never know. <laughs> it's so true. That's what I'm starting to realize. One day he's like all the applesauce, and then the next day he's like push the spoons, you know? So For sure. it's just, yeah. they're very temperamental. <laughs> yes, they are. Yes, they are. <laughs> okay, so you touched on sleep a little bit, and I wanted to talk to you about sleep because... I felt like a, a lot of people I knew, their babies were sleeping through the night, like 12 yeah. hours by 12 weeks. Yeah. And honestly, Maddox did not sleep through the night until 10 months. Oh, yeah. Please. <laughs> you are preaching to the choir, girl. Okay. So I would like to normalize the conversation a little oh, bit. Or, right? Like I have a lot of opinions about this now. <laughs> Okay, great. Share some of them with me. So before I had Miles, I my older sister was my go-to for a lot of baby stuff, even though I definitely have friends who who have babies. But as far as really like seeing the day-to-day and the ins and outs, my older sister's my go-to. She followed Babywise. Oh, I've heard of them. Yeah. Okay. So Babywise is a book that came out. I don't even know when, but it's very, very strict scheduled feedings. And your child, if you follow this schedule to the T is guaranteed to sleep through the night by 12 weeks. Both my sister's kids did. (laughs) Okay. So I read the book. Plus I read a bunch of other books and all the things. And I didn't realize when I was holding this little baby, how different I was going to feel about strict schedules and like just the slew of emotions that come with it. So I tried it so many days to get us on a schedule. We're going to start our feed at 7 a.m. And then the next one at 10 a.m. And literally without fail every single day, I couldn't start at 7 a.m. because whatever else was going on, I can't even begin to like verbalize those early weeks. But, you know, it's impossible. I don't know how I don't know how a person could get on an actual schedule. And I would call my sister at five o'clock while Miles was wailing, crying. And she's like, well, when did you do your last feed? And I was like, well, I had him on the boob an hour ago because he was crying. And she's like, well, then I can't help you. (laughs) You know, like that. (laughs) So of course I went to Instagram and followed everyone. And I had all the taking care of babies packets and all, all the things. So Miles actually around like, like between like six and 12 weeks, he actually was sleeping. Okay. Like I could get a five or a six hour stretch out of him and we were in a good place. And then he learned to roll over. Miles has been very early on his milestones, especially his physical okay. one. So he rolled over really early. So then we we're like out of the swaddle and now, Oh my God, things uh, are changing. Oh, right. and he did his like sleep regression or whatever. And then things got really bad. And I just, couldn't get a handle on it. And I was so tired, as you know, we had him in his own room. So I would get up three, four times a night, go in, sit in the rocking chair and nurse him. And I swear I have spent probably thousands of hours at this point now in a rocking yeah, chair yeah. nursing him in the yeah. middle of the night. You feel so alone. You feel so mm. like defeated. Yes. Um, because there's I- also a narrative. Don't feed your baby to sleep. There's like a, a whole other thing. To sleep. So I, once I gave up that narrative, that was okay. I started feeding him to sleep because I, that was the only way, but also like the naps, the wake windows. Oh God. I was so overly consumed by it. I couldn't yeah. let it go. 
So that's a big piece too. Like I literally like, we didn't follow the wake window. Like this. And you'd blame yourself or something? Like hundred percent. I'm a terrible parent. Oh, also there's the narrative that like you, it's your fault that your baby's not sleeping through the night by 12 weeks. And it's like, okay, I'm sorry, but I didn't want to put them on a schedule. I'm not going to let them cry it out. I had so many things that I just wasn't going to do that. I was like, okay, I've decided my fate. I'm waking up with my kid. So around eight months, nine months, I hired a sleep consultant and she did help us. Uh, we were kind of using the pacifier for a little bit there. I would like take him off the boob and shove the pacifier in his mouth and then like transfer him into the crib. And it was working mm-hmm. for us, but she recommended ditch the pacifier. Cause you're going to have to ditch it anyway. And like get him sleeping on his own without the, without the sucking. Her thing was like, his thing is the sucking. Yeah. So we got, we worked together for like three weeks and we got to this place where he was still doing one wake up around like 3 a.m. And he yep. would cry. And she said to me, because we talked about this at the beginning. She's like, I'm not crying out because I told her, I was like, I can't do crying out. So if that's part of your plan, like I'm not on board. I am about all the other soothing techniques. I don't want to leave my baby in his room to cry. Mm-hmm. And she said, okay, no problem. And then there was the last wake up at like 3 a.m. And she was like, don't go in. That's your advice. And I got to that. I just was like, how is this the only way? Mm -hmm. Or maybe they're just, some babies aren't designed to sleep through the night. Miles has a super, super high alert temperament. He's super active. He's took his first steps at nine months, walked at 10 months. Like he has just always been super go, go, go. So maybe his fate was never to sleep through the night. I don't know, but I wouldn't do it. So even at nine months, whenever we were using the sleep consultant, I said, okay, I'm going to pay you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for all your help. And I still went in <laughs> and yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. miles sleeps through the night sometimes, but not all the time. And I still get up yeah. and still go in. Yeah. I just do. And some moms probably are listening and thinking, oh my gosh, how is she doing that? That's insane. But I have to put my head on my pillow at night and feel good about it. And I... I'm totally okay to be there and support my kid if he needs it rather than sleep the whole night through. <laughs> yeah, that was honestly the exact same. We, it was always a wake up between, we did the sleep training and we did let him cry and I don't regret it because he's a good sleeper. And I, I do believe getting them there through crying really, really, really sucks, but like he learned how to go to sleep on his own. But like, I look back on that time and I feel really guilty, like thinking of him crying, like it like makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah. But am I glad at the result? I I guess so. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's this weird push pull. I know. So So Miles, once he decided he was fine to go to sleep on his own, he was fine. Like we haven't had problems with bedtime or naps in months. It's just the wake up. And I think to be honest, this is my own opinion. Mm-hmm. And I would be curious to talk to other moms that have been breastfeeding. As long as we have, mm-hmm. I know he's waking up for the boobs. If I took those away, yeah. there wouldn't be a reason for a wake up. He would keep yeah. it up. But totally. I, it's a hard one for me. It, that has been the hardest thing about motherhood for yeah. me is I want to be there and meet his every need. And yeah. it's really challenging for me to say no to this kind of stuff and not do it. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think as a mom, that's all you want, like just to like, just meet all their needs and make sure those little nuggets are so happy all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm getting so much better. And when they get into toddler zone, it's a lot easier too, because you know, their cries are just 
completely yeah. bogus. Like, of course they're validated in their feelings, but like yeah, an infant that you have no idea why they're crying is very different than a toddler who didn't get his treat. <laughs> totally. Totally. Well, I also think it's almost, it's just a little bit sad not the right adjective but just like that vision of the new mom with her, her taking care of baby packets and her all oh. following all her instagram people and like yeah, actually, it's okay, so, so yeah no but you know what helped me and again i wish i would have written more of this down so that i had the timeline yeah. i actually started following anti-sleep training instagram accounts oh yeah and they're uh-huh. very pro breastfeeding they're very very pro like mm-hmm. i'm going to support my child through the hard times and i'm going to be there and like the sleep training industry is making a lot of money on new moms and yeah. like i see that side too totally was a, the opposite end of the spectrum and i can see the positive and the negative of both sides both but sides, it actually yeah. helped me to see a totally different perspective and feel that there was a whole group of moms out there maybe not ones that I personally knew but that were doing it the way I was mm-hmm. doing it and I found comfort in that yeah that's so true I think that's good advice too like when you're in that zone like don't feel like there's only one way to do things or like one way of thinking because yeah like no matter how you want a mother or parent like it, it should be accepted you know And that is honestly one of the other biggest ones too, is that every day truly is a gift, but it's also survival and everyone's just trying to survive and make it through. And every mom is doing what they believe is the best thing for their kid. And even if it's not what your belief is, they're still doing what they believe is best for their kid. Not doing that. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Was there anything else from your postpartum journey, Nat? Like I think, you know, I told you mine about just like the anxiety around the food. Is he getting enough? Was there anything? And obviously you had a crazy birth experience and we're healing from the C-section. Was there anything else postpartum that like stood out to you as like, oh gosh, like I did fixate that on that a lot or, or I worried about that or, or like that was the hardest part. Oh, man, it's like such a blur, but also so clear at the same time. I, I really fixated on the sleep thing. Miles wasn't colicky, but like when he would cry and I couldn't calm him and like mm-hmm. we did all the things. I wore him so much. We had, I had Oh my God. So many carrier naps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I also, again, like I wasn't working for months. I would put him in the car and we would go for a drive and he would get one nap yeah. in the car. Like every single day yeah. he would get a nap in the car because I knew I could count on it and that was fine. And I could listen to music or a podcast or whatever. I kind of miss that, to be honest. <laughs> did you did you fixate on the short naps? I was crazy. Yeah, about the because short naps. they make you feel like a short nap doesn't count. Yeah, and that uh-huh. your baby's not getting rest, and that, mm-hmm. and honestly, I just because I still follow all of those Instagram mm-hmm. accounts that are kind of like the the anti sleep training, and I saw one today. It was just one print post, and it said, "How different would your postpartum experience have been if someone told you that your baby probably will not nap in their crib for the first at least." four months, five yeah. months. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. We have this expectation that like, Oh, I have the Dr. Tot. I've got the snuggle me. I've uh-huh. got, I didn't have the snoo, but even mom's with the snoo. And it's like, my baby's mm-hmm. just going to rock gently to sleep. Yeah. I mean, no, that never happened to us. And then I would blow through wake windows and he would be a total crying mess. And I would be so anxious. Like, yeah. yeah. Like just beyond so I get it yeah. and I'm also looking back I just want to give myself a hug you know uh-huh. yes me too mm-hmm. and I wonder if the next one 
is going to be a great sleeper because I'm going to be so much more relaxed. Like, is it us that's causing it? You know? (laughs) Totally. Yes. I had the same thoughts. Yes. God, how quickly, you're right. How quickly you forget about those did I miss the cue? Okay, wait. No, yes. it's been his wake window's only 60, but he's been up for 75. Yes. Like, oh yes. no. Yes. And you uh-huh. literally your biggest fear as a mom is that you're gonna ruin or wreck or yes. break your baby. And yes. not following those rules makes you feel like you're gonna ruin them. And it's terrible. You're not. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so true. That is really good advice. Okay, so he's a toddler and I'm about to have a toddler. What has been like the most fun? age or stage for you uh right now we are in like I think from 18 months until now like if I could bottle him up oh it's so sweet it was still kind of scary for me like a year to 18 months I'm just going to share with you because you're still in that because they're learning how to walk they still don't quite have their agility they're putting everything in their mouth like yeah he's falling so much it's like I'm so proud of him like yeah he's walking but like he's also like it takes a while to learn to walk you're constantly bonking your head yeah so 18 months they're like much more stable much more sturdy your like feeding program is way better as far as like your meals and like the things that they're into and liking and then like for miles he's a pretty early talker but he can already like say I love you and we give hugs and like the books are so much more fun because he gets it and the songs and just like their little personalities are emerging I mean he is such a boy like we Friday is garbage day and every Friday morning we're out there with the garbage man they love love kids they love it every time the gardener comes it's like leaf blower weed whacker (laughs) lawnmower you know it's so cute It, it really is so fun to just be in their little world and he's yeah. not quite tantruming yet like we're having glimpses of it I know it's coming but it's a yeah. really sweet time yeah okay. so I will I say this it. has been my favorite I will tell you and I would have said this before I even had kids like uh-huh. newborns are not my favorite and I yeah. feel terrible saying that but like they're they're scary to me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> well you're it's like you're learning each other and yeah, and it's like somebody else's newborn. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't mm-hmm. want to like mess your newborn. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> totally. They're very <laughs> fragile. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Now okay, it's well, like, okay, we've had some bonks and some scrapes. And we're yeah, gonna- yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. I do feel like this is like the constant motherhood advice you get about like everything's a stage and a phase. And I'm trying to, now that I'm out of the postpartum fog and the like anxiety is, it's still low, very low grade, but it's not as like overwhelming and all encompassing as it was. I'm like really trying to consciously like enjoy it yeah. more and like appreciate the phase that we're in and like take that advice to heart that like it's going to be over before you know it. I think the reality of him turning one is just like, it feels like a lifetime in the blink of an eye at the same time. A hundred percent. Yeah. I do remember the first birthday and it's crazy because it wasn't that long ago, but I remember feeling like, wow, this is a mom milestone. Like I made Mm -hmm. it. Like we made it. I made it. Like we're okay. He's doing great. Yeah. I'm still married. Everyone's alive. Yeah, Yeah, totally. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) How has work how has it been obviously you didn't go back you said till 13 months yeah so so how was like going back and have you know then there's like the whole child care you know you, like there's a lot to figure yeah, out as a working mom yes. but like 
Okay. So I actually got laid off in my third trimester, which was such a gift. It was very scary, but Craig and I really, as we like looked at everything, the by far the best decision was for me to stay home with miles. Stay at home mom is no joke. It was the hardest year of my life for so many reasons, but I'm so glad that I you really, it. you don't have anywhere to go. Like you don't have to join your oh, zoom no. call. And there like, were many days where like, we didn't leave the house. We live across the street from a park. I would take a blanket over to the park and we would sit on the grass. And I was just like, yep. <laughs> you're at yep. the club. And that's okay because I was taking care of my baby and that was my job in the time, like during that time, at the end of the day, of course, I felt like I had done nothing and was so stressed because like, I couldn't make dinner. I couldn't even sweep the floor, but you know, whatever you learn. So that was, so there were so many things about that, that were really interesting too, because I've always worked. It was really the only time in my adult life that I hadn't worked, but of course your baby is your job. So, so there was that. And then there was the feeling that I wasn't bringing in income and a lot of those things, but I'm so grateful for that year. And then when I was looking to go back to work, I definitely had some requirements of what I wanted in the job. And then I knew that I wanted to do some form of a nanny. And luckily, like we can afford to do a nanny. One of the things that I will tell you is when I was looking at my three month old, not having to go back to work, I felt terrible for all of the moms that have to go back at 12 Ugh. weeks and sometimes sooner. It's crazy. Your baby is so tiny and so reliant on you. I just can't imagine dropping them off at a daycare at eight in the morning and picking them up at 5 p.m. and feeling okay about that. I give so many moms so much credit because they don't have a choice, but oh, it's sad. It's, it's gut-wrenching. I know. Yeah, it is really sad. And it's, it's so sad for the moms, but it's also to me really sad for these babies, but it's the world we're living in today. And I know that everybody's okay, but I just had to call that out because I, those were moments where I was so grateful. Yeah. Totally. Um, so I really wanted to do a nanny for childcare. And it just so happened that one of my sister's best friends lives up the street and she had this great nanny and she was wanting to do a nanny share mm-hmm. and it worked out wonderfully. And this nanny is fabulous. And she's now our full-time nanny because the little girl that we were doing the nanny share with went to preschool this fall. And Brie is so incredible with miles. Oh, love it. Okay. But I was so like, it's stressful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, that whole transition of just, for me, there's this push pull of like, I want to work, but I also want to be a mom and I can't, I I can't be both full-time, like meaning I can't be a mom full-time, but like take care of him full-time. So it's this, I don't know, you have to figure out kind of your identity as a mom in all these different chapters of life. And there's this pre-kid kind of single identity that you embody where you like get your career going and then like you have this career, but then you become a mom and it's like, you don't want to shed that part of your life. You want to keep it. It's just an interesting journey. (laughs) Yeah. I, I know. And it like the grass is always greener, which, Mm -hmm. you know, what an illusion, but I think working from home is also really good for all the family units. Like Mm -hmm. that was a requirement for me. Oh, because you can, I didn't want to be on the road anymore. I did not want to have to travel. So I work from home hundred percent of the time I'm actually in software sales now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I actually really love it. I love the flexibility. Yeah. I like that. I do have something. So here's another thing I will say going back to work was probably the healthiest thing I could have done for both of us because I had to let go of the control. It was like, mm. okay, I, I know what he's eating for lunch because I'm packing his lunch, but I don't know if he's having other snacks. I don't know if he's going to nap. I don't know what they did today. He's yeah. out of the house part of this time. And like, I have to be okay with that. 
And it took me a little bit, but then I was yep. okay and he was okay. And it was good for him to go have a day and like yeah. have some fun little adventures and yeah. be with another person and a buddy that he loves and that love him too. And so there is so much to be said for that part of letting them fly. Yeah, and I totally. think so, and also I, you know, I actually did a therapy session that my therapist, she's known me for years and she's like, seriously, like a friend, but mm -hmm. she was laughing and saying, um, I think Craig would probably say going, cause I was telling her going back to work was the best thing I could have done. And she was laughing and saying, I think Craig would probably say the same thing too. And then we were at my park doing this session and then we walked back and Craig was right there. So we told him and he was like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because I did, he got me back too, because I got back to like being myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yes. That. Which is oh. so funny. It like takes work, but like I started using my adult brain again. I started thinking about other things than just miles and the nap schedule. And so mm -hmm. it was good mm -hmm. for us. And again, any mom that stays home, I give them all the kudos in the world because it is really not an easy job. Yeah. I can relate to exactly what you're saying about just the kind of letting go of control. That is the one I, same thing, work from home and he's in the care of someone else's hands all day. And yeah. I gave her all, I gave her all the direction and all the tools, but like he, I just got to let go. Oh, <laughs> like, no. So it's um, hard, but I also think is like you're saying, like probably a good thing at the same time. Yeah. For sure. And I think also prepares us for more of those that are going to have like more of those little, yep. let them fly moments in their life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can't remember who it was, but they, it was something early on with Maddox where it was either with the sleep stuff or something. And like what she said, she was like, this is just the first iteration of basically what you're saying, like letting him fly. Yeah. It's going to keep first it's the sleep and then it's, the like then they like it's, it's yeah. year after year it's like of just them growing up and it's consistent it sounds really negative but I kind of got what she was saying it's the separation yeah they're slowly getting their independence and like kind of separating from you who like physically grew them <laughs> yeah yep it's true and it's and again it's a process for for both mm -hmm. it, is. it is and it's wild to me how for like, you know, I never want to compare. I know a couple moms have mentioned that on this podcast, comparing yourself to other moms is the worst thing you can ever do. But how some moms seem to have such an easier time with it. <laughs> it must be a temperament thing. Like they just, yeah, yeah. oh, Nat. Oh. Well, I just, this just brings me so much joy to catch up. And I can't believe like just... <laughs> Miles is 22 months. Maddox is almost a year. And oh, like, we're no. finally sitting down to talk about mom stuff. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So we're going to end on three questions. I ask all my guests, what is one thing that took you by surprise or you feel like no one ever talked about that you learned was part of being a mom? So I thought about this one and it was the amount of decisions that I was going to have to make every single day from mm. small, I didn't realize and as the mom you're the one who's supposed to have the answers and like make all these decisions so you make big ones from like the car seat and which yeah. you have and all that stuff but like especially when you're trying to control sleep like do I wear them do I put them in the stroller like what am oh. I gonna do? you just feel like 
you're going to make the wrong decision and it's going to ruin your baby. And like, yes, uh, so many decisions all day. And I have always struggled with decision makings. I chalk it up to being a Gemini and being a middle child. And my friend Lori is very similar to me, older sister, younger brother, struggled with decisions. And I remember we, our babies are one month apart. So she was on maternity leave and we would go for walks. And she literally just was like standing in her driveway and she was like, I don't want to make any more decisions. (laughs) (laughs) And I just was like, oh God, I didn't even realize how many I was making. So that stands out to me for sure. Nobody ever talked about that when it came to motherhood. Yes, that is a good point. And I guess like maybe I had the interpretation that all of the answers to those decisions, like those decisions you made would just be so natural. But like I, as a first time mom, I just was like second guessing every decision. (laughs) Yeah, of course. And then like the decisions of, there's just so many decisions. Now I'm like looking at preschools and it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah, it's true. It's true. Okay, we've talked a lot about this stage, but take yourself back to the early days of having Miles. If you could give your that first-time mom version of you one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, gosh. I know. I thought about this, and I think there's so many different, there's so many different ways to go, but just know in your heart that you are being an excellent mom. Like, you're okay, and Miles is okay. Like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know like yes I, do, I don't even know if that's not like it's not even a piece of advice but like it's like reassuring words though yeah you just need you just need that and it's almost like your husband feels so helpless and he's not the person that can tell you that like you that's not the person you want to hear it from in those in those times and to be honest I don't know who I would have wanted or needed to hear it from like I don't know that I was even open to hearing it I was mm-hmm. so Mm -hmm. track minded I mean similar to I feel how yours was jeans I've never had so much anxiety or stress in my whole life Mm -hmm. yeah and I think it was Alexis who in her podcast went back and said she finally when she had her second reflected on her first and said I actually don't think I was okay Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, yeah. I feel that way a little bit too. Like that yeah. was a dream, like what I was feeling. Like I can remember like rocking miles in the rocking chair and having anger, which I never mm-hmm. have, which was yeah. like, why am I feeling this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I really think just like a big warm hug and like, it's mm-hmm. all going to be okay. Was what I needed yeah. to hear. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really simple, but also really good advice. And yeah, those are the things that like people didn't talk about, like those feelings of rage. And I would have the yeah. same, I would have outbursts and I'm like, why am I having, an, I'm like, I'm in love with my baby, but also I'm having an outburst because I'm so full of like yeah. annoyance and frustration and yeah. Yeah. So much. Oh gosh. It's so One much. thing that you, to your, but you would tell yourself, I think another iteration of that, that always helped me was, and it's probably really cheesy, but when I really hone in on this thought, it helps me so much, which is like, you are the perfect mom for your baby. Like that just was so peaceful to me. I'm like, okay, if that is true and I can get behind that and believe that it was just so comforting and that helped me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last question. If you could sum up motherhood in one word or phrase, what would it be? 
So this one was hard for me, as I'm sure it's hard for everyone. And I really tried to think of a good word. There are a few, but I think I'm going to go with evolution. Mm, Like it? So I just think the whole thing, like you're constantly evolving, your baby's Mm -hmm. constantly evolving. The whole idea of motherhood to me has so much with evolution in it because as long as humans have walked the earth, moms Mm -hmm. have been giving birth and Mm -hmm. moms. And so, and evolution really stands out to me right now because when I look back and reflect, which I don't do often because I just am going through my day so quickly. um, This podcast gave me the opportunity to stop and reflect. I really like how much I've evolved as a mom stood out to Mm. me. That's my word. I love that. Like, like, tell me, like, you've gotten your groove or felt more confident or you've embraced the role or like what? I think all the things. I think, honestly, I embraced the role right away, but I think I embraced it with so much expectation of and like wanting it to be perfect that Uh I didn't embrace it for like the actual role. So now I think I've embraced it with so much more grace for myself and for my baby, like they're babies, they're learning, you know, Uh and for my husband and like for our marriage and just for the sake of having the peace in the household and the peace for myself and like the fun of it has really started to take place. And that Mm -hmm. to me is just like the gift of motherhood. Like you get to Mm -hmm. do childhood again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. Retreat, and yeah, yeah. So which fun. is also part of like evolution, like things. Yeah. Circle. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. So I really, yes, I think so. Like, I have come so far. Like, so much of the anxiety has gone away. Yes, it's still there. Like, e- like even the few fevers that he's had, even just the last fever a couple of weeks ago, I was so much more relaxed. We're gonna get through this. Everybody's fine. The first fever, I didn't sleep one second. I called the ER at midnight. Like, you just don't know, you know. Yeah. So yes. yeah, it just it. I have evolved. Oh, and it has evolved. My relationship it. with motherhood has evolved. And I know I'm only on like, you know, tip of the iceberg. It's just going to continue to. Totally. Totally. I love that. Nat. It's such a good word and makes so much sense. Um, so thank you for sharing all your wisdom with us. This is just oh, I mean, best. I know there are some nuggets in that. Whole There's thing. so many nuggets. Nat. Oh. oh, so many. <laughs> all well, right. I can't friend. thank you enough, friend. I love doing this and I love listening. Good. Well, everyone is in for a treat with this one. So, all right, guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mama to Mamas. We'll see you back on the pod very soon. Bye, guys.